0: All right, wonderful. Can you all hear me at the back, Cassie? Can you hear? Fantastic. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, so, as you all know, we've been preaching through the book of Two Timothy. We've been journeying through it together, and um, as we've been doing the book of Two Timothy, we've been looking at this theme of discipleship and how it's so important that that we are each disciples. Um, that God doesn't want us just to be followers of Jesus but actually disciples of Jesus. It's not good that you're just saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and I, but we're actually a disciple, and there's something very significant about that. And we're disciples, as we looked last week from 2, chap- two Timothy 2. We're disciples who reproduce after ourselves. If you're a disciple, it says that we make disciples. And, uh, and so you, we're, never, we're never those that just receive. We're always those who do give and those who do um, influence others around us. And, um, and so what I want to do today is I want to speak about endurance, and we're going to continue with 2 Timothy, and uh, if you've got your Bible, can you open it with me to 2 Timothy? Um, thanks, Mariners. I appreciate that. I think we all do. <laughs> we love kids, but um, <laughs> noisy kids, for me, I get distracted very easily, so um, yeah, So, but we do love our kids. Um, and in 2 Timothy 2, so I'd encourage you to either open up your Bible, if you've got a phone, <clears throat> just to open up your phone with your Bible on it. But it's important because we are, 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 are outside, and just for the sake of the visitors, the reason we're meeting outside is because we, are, um, we can't all fit in the hall, and there are regulations with COVID at the moment, but outside we can be as many as we want. So at the moment, while it's still fairly cool, we are here. And then um, we'll be here for the next while, probably until the end of November. And then we'll revisit from then on in. So obviously we don't have a screen, um, but we've got our Bibles in front of us, right? So have you guys got your Bibles? And um, we're going to read together from 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 13. So I'm going to read 10 verses to you. And after I've read these 10 verses, I'm going to explain to you what we're going to do this morning and the aim of what I want to share from these 10 verses. And so let's read it together. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. And I'm reading from the, the, e, the ESV. So I'm speaking about endurance. I think the Afrikaans word is eight ho for more. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Google Translate. It says, let's read it together. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. in everything. I just want to stop there quickly. It says, think over what I say, because the Lord will give you understanding. And sometimes in our charismatic, um, spirit-filled Christianity, we feel sometimes that to use our minds is almost, you know, we become proud because we'd get puffed up if you if you think about things too much. But Paul's saying here that think about what I've said to you. Think over what I've said, and sometimes you've got to take the word, and we've got to chew over and think about these things. And as we do, revelation comes. You see, revelation, when God gives you revelation, it doesn't bypass your mind and go straight into your, you know, your inner being or your heart. Uh, you know, the heart is part of the mind. And, and when, we, when we think about something, God gives revelation. You know, they say if you want someone who's got a brand new mind, you just ask a charismatic, you just ask a charismatic, a Pentecostal believer. Because many of the times, Pentecostals never really use their minds. So, but we're not like that, okay? We are those who love the Lord with our hearts, and we love the Lord with our mind. It's both. And, um, and he says, think about what I'm saying, because the Lord will give you understanding. Isn't that encouraging? That it goes together? And then he says this, he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, The offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we've died with Him, we will live with Him. If we endure, we will reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And we're going to look at what that means later. But there's two things that I want to do this morning that I, want to, that I believe what the Scripture is saying. is, Firstly, I'm going to speak about three different types of people that are given to us as examples that, that are examples of endurance. That, that he's trying to give to Timothy here. And then secondly, I want to look at why we have to endure. There's three reasons I'm going to pull out of why we are called to endure and to stand firm. And you know, as we look at this, we'll see clearly that as we read the scripture, that the Christian life is meant to be hard. The Christian life is not meant to be easy. And if if we've been sold a lie to say that if you become a Christian, life will become easy, that is a lie. The Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus, things will get hard, okay? And so what Paul's doing here is saying to Timothy, Timothy, it's time to toughen up, you can't, you know, hardship's going to come, storms are going to come, um, difficulty's going to come, but you have to learn to be tough. You have to learn to, to stand firm in the Lord and be strong in, gra- in the grace of God. You can't afford to fall away because times are hard, but as Christians, we stand firm in the Lord. And there's a desire and a firmness for that. And I think something that I want to, if anything, that we learn today is that God wants us in Christ to endure and it's those not who start well. You know, the Christian life isn't about how we start. It's wonderful how we start, but it's how we end. And that's why Jesus in Matthew 24 says, "It's those who are those who perseve- it's those who will be saved who persevere to the end." And if you want to know if you're saved, it's because it's how you end. It's not how you begin. That's the picture of the gospel. And, um, and so, what he does with these three types of people, he gives examples of three types of people that endure. Number one, he gives the example of a soldier in verse three and four. Um, so, we find these roles soldier, athlete, farmer. There's a hardship, a persistence that's required. I think the Afrikaans have is Tough. Om te wees, tough. Tough. Okay. Tougher. We tough and you tougher. Okay, as that advert goes, I think that a Hilux advert. And so we're going to look at the first one who's tough. And it's a soldier. And look what he says in verse 3 and 4. He says, Share in suffering. It's interesting, hey? Not share in, share in suffering is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And the one thing I want to bring out here is this idea of a single minded pursuit that when the commanding officer says, do this, we say, yes, Lord. And so there's this thing about a soldier that is characterized by obedience to his commanding officer. And that's very important, is that in order to endure, we've got to be those who are willing to be under authority to Jesus and under authority to those that God has put under authority. That's the first thing. We find the soldier. The second person we find is the athlete. And I'm just going through them fairly quickly. It says an athlete in verse 5. it says, is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so it's interesting that he uses the athlete. And I want to give you a story of a lady um, by the name of Rosie Ruiz, Ruiz. And she won the Boston Marathon in 1980. She's very, very famous or very infamous story. And this lady in 1980, she competed in the Boston Marathon. Um, she had never run a marathon before in her life. And she won the marathon in record time. And when she came over the finish line, like way ahead of the others, she came over the finish line not even really that sweaty, a little bit out of breath, and people were amazed. They'd never heard of her before. Who is this woman that has won one of the most prestigious and famous uh, marathons in the world, but who is she? And uh, she arrived, and like, you know, I've made it, you know, I won, And and, and she was a bit sweaty, but not really, and didn't seem like she had really exerted herself. And they gave her the medal, and she stood on the platform with her gold medal and in the press, and she was on national TV, and they celebrated her. But a day later, it came out that this lady was a cheat. And what she had done is she had caught the subway about two kilometers before the end of the race. She had somehow started the race, got into a subway. She caught the train just before the end. She climbed the stairs, and bolted through the crowd, and she ran the last um, two kilometers, two, three kilometers, and she won the race. And so she was then masked as a cheat. She got disqualified because she didn't run the race properly. And isn't that like a great picture of the Christian life? It's like sometimes we do want to take shortcuts. It's like sometimes we want to, you know, oh, but it's so hard. I just want to take a shortcut. You know, isn't there a shortcut to, to the glory? You know, isn't there a shortcut to like the prize? Isn't there a shortcut to growing in character or to becoming a person of integrity or becoming a person of honor? Isn't there a shortcut to these things? And we find that Paul says here, an athlete is only crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And we find that, friends, there are things that can trip us up in the faith. And as I said in, uh, in the first week of, of 2 Timothy, we looked at how we are called to a holy calling. And the things that can trip us up and disqualify us are things like sin, and when we allow secret sins in our lives, when we harbor things in us that is not pleasing to God, and those things disqualify us. And competing according to the rules is, in a sense, staying on the narrow path that God has called us to stay in and not trying to disobey Him and dishonor Him and to take shortcuts. That's the second thing we find of the athletes. The last one is the example given to us is the farmer. And it says in verse 7 about the farmer, it says, it's the hardworking farmer. It's interesting how it describes the farmer. It doesn't say it's the relaxed farmer. It's the farmer who rests in the Lord. (laughs) It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Then he says, think over what I say, the Lord will give you understanding. And so there's this idea that the Christian life, he's trying to emphasize to Timothy, Timothy, for you to push, push through... For you to be enduring, for you to endure in the Lord, there's, a, there's an effort that's required. There's effort. There's a sense that there's a pushing through and a pushing through. And sometimes the Christian faith requires that when you don't feel like it, you've got to still sow the seed. You know, imagine if the farmer, if you're a farmer, I don't know how many of you are farmers here, or you know a farmer, or I've got family members who are farmers. Now imagine if the farmer wakes up in the morning and it's, it's, it's time to sow the seed. It's that time of the year where you've got to sow the seed. And he wakes up saying, man, I just really don't feel like sowing the seed this morning. I just feel like I should be reaping this morning. And, or I feel like I should be sitting under the tree and uh, just eating of last season's harvest. I really don't feel like sowing the seed. Do you think that farmer is a, will be a successful farmer? No. He's called to sow. He's called to give of himself, whether he feels like it or not. And I think this summarizes, I know for me, as I've been a Christian for the last, whatever, 25 years, the one thing I've had to do again and again is to learn, Lord, the times that I really don't feel like it are the times that you're asking me to give myself. When I don't feel like praying, I pray. When I don't feel like reading my Bible, I read my Bible. Because there's a, there's a, a certain amount of effort required in the faith. Now, I know some of you are thinking, but Mike, doesn't the Bible say we save by grace? That it's not about effort? No, you're wrong. It's not about earning. And so, we never earn the faith. We never try and use our efforts to to earn our favor from God. It's given to us. But because we have favor from God, we now have to work hard. And that's why we've got scriptures like Philippians 3 that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so, um, you know, amazingly, even the times we come to church— Don't you find that the times you least feel like coming to church, but like you drag your body, you say to your body, you say to your your mind, mind, shut up. Body, shut up. I'm going to church today. Emotions, shut up. I know you don't feel like going to church this morning. I know you're tired. Body, legs, shut up. And you say to your parts of your body, keep quiet. I'm going to go and obey the Lord. I'm going to go and worship the Lord today. Don't you find that those meetings, when you go and you don't feel like it, those are the meetings where somehow they're the most memorable where God seems to do the most amazing things in our lives. The times where, you know, you don't feel like praying and you push through and you press in. Those are the times where you grow and that's the times where you grow the most. And so there's this thing with all three of these people that he gives us, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, that he's calling um, uh, Timothy to say, Timothy, you've got to live in a certain way that requires a toughness and a, a willingness to work hard in the Lord and to give yourself to him. As in, and is encouraging him to do that. And I want to ask you, who are the examples for you, maybe of toughness or of endurance in the Lord? Do you have any men and women that you look up to and say, when I'm old, I want to be like that? Dadi man, Dadi fro, look at the way that they have served the Lord. I think of actually Tani how many, Debora. How many years have you been serving the Lord now? Debora? Very long. She's being very uh, diplomatic, very long. Okay. (laughs) How many years? 40. Okay. Now, and I know, has it been difficult for you during those 40 years, or has it been very easy? Okay. (laughs) I want to be like her when I'm old. Older, sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) When, I, when I'm in my 50s, I want to be like you, Tony um, DeBoer. And I think we need all heroes in the faith, don't we? Of Those who've they've, they've got the battle scars to prove it. It's almost like Jacob, that when Jacob wrestled the angel, he dislocated his hip. The angel dislocated his hip. And for the rest of his life, Jacob walked around with a limp. And in a sense, it marked him out as someone that had wrestled with God but hadn't given up. And even though the angel said, let me go. I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. And I think as we have older men and women in the faith, they walk with a limp, many of them. They've got the scars of the faith, but they've held on to God and saying, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's the kind of attitude here that Paul is speaking about for us as believers that he wants us to have. So that's the first thing I want to share is these examples that he gives us. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at some scriptures to say, but why do we endure? What are the reasons? And I'm going to give out three reasons from scripture here of show the motivation of why we are called to endure, to show, what's the word again? ho for more. Okay, ato for more. Let's look at number one. The first reason in verse ten. These are the, I'm going to give you three reasons why we should endure, and I believe what what Paul's speaking about, bringing out. Number one, verse ten. We endure for the sake of other people. Number one. We endure for the sake of others. Now, that seems a bit weird, but let's read it uh, for some. Therefore, he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. The elect is a term that is a Bible term that gets used for the people of God. He's saying, I'm enduring for the sake of the people of God, those that are in Christ, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Isn't that an amazing thing, that in, in a sense, by you standing firm in the Lord, your endurance actually affects someone else's destiny. Your faithfulness can affect someone else's fruitfulness, if I put it that way. Um, that if you are someone that is pushed through and pressed in, you do it often for the sake of others, because it, your influence affects other people around you. That is kind of the, the, the wonder of God, and the wonder of serving Jesus. Don't you find this as well for yourself? That if you are walking with someone or discipling someone and you see them grow in the Lord, isn't that the most rewarding and exciting thing in the world? When you see a family member or even if you're a parent to see one of your children or a friend, seeing a friend come to the Lord, isn't that the most amazing thing? And I think even of Odette and Christy, Odette, uh, Odette has befriended a lady, she, Fortunately, she's not here this morning, I'm Sue, who... Um, she befriended probably for the last six months. It have been three years or whatever. How many years? Three three years. Three months. Three years. There we go. And they've been friends with her for three years. She's been a neighbor of them. And they've just loved her and drawn her in. And about a month ago, she responded and gave her life to the Lord. Uh, she came to Christ. And, you know, and she's been coming through regularly. She just couldn't make it the Sunday. But I, I want to say what's super encouraging is that, in a sense, by their endurance, because I know they've had it very difficult it's actually affected someone else in the faith. Isn't that wonderful? And one of the joys, I must say, of being involved in TMT, I'm overseeing our, our, our discipleship school, TMT, and one of the joys of TMT, I love about TMT, is that TMT, you've got a student that comes at the beginning of the year and first year, and they know nothing. They think they know something, but they know, they know nothing. And then, and they also, many of them are. Young in the faith, they, they, they're growing in the Lord, they're desiring God. But, and you see them in the course of the year growing, step by step, they're growing, they're growing. And at the end of the year, you see like, but this person is different from where they started off. And you know, that is a, a, a time of great joy that I know if I'm enduring in the year, it's for the sake of them so that they can do well. And friends, I want to say that we are so connected in the ways of God with one another. That's the wonder of being part of a body where your faithfulness can affect someone else's fruitfulness. And that's the first reason why we endure. The second reason why we endure, okay, slow down. I don't have to go that fast. I feel like I'm just rushing through this a bit. Um, The second reason why we endure is we endure to get future reward, to actually get some reward into the future. And this is what Paul says in verse 12. He says, but if we endure, we will reign with him. We will reign with Him. And actually, it's interesting is that Paul often, the Apostle Paul, was motivated by future glory. He was motivated that he knew that on that day, if he was faithful now, the Lord would reward him on that day. And for example, at the end of 2 Timothy, he speaks about, but I've run my race. I have fought the good fight. I've poured my life out as a drink offering. And on that day, there awaits for me a crown of righteousness that will be given to those who are faithful. And friends, isn't that a wonderful thing, is that the Lord wants to reward you. And sometimes those rewards don't always play out now, here now. Some of those rewards are stored up for you into the future kingdom. And if you uh, stand firm in the Lord, there is a future reward coming for you. But the greatest reward of all is knowing the Lord Himself and seeing Jesus face to face. To see the one that created you and called you by name and called you as a son or as a daughter of the living God who knows you intimately and created you. Imagine seeing your creator on that day. The one that knows your heartache and knows your pain. He knows everything about you. He knows the worst parts about you, but is covered over you with his grace and his love that you're going to meet him on that day. And I love what Paul says. It's in Philippians 3. He says, oh, that I might press on for the upward call of God for the prize that is in Christ Jesus. And you see, he, he was motivated by a prize, by a reward, but it, it was actually wrapped up in who Jesus was, in the person of Jesus. It wasn't wrapped up in some kind of literal crown where it's like, I'm going to get a crown. My crown's bigger than your crown. My crown's got more gold and jewels than your crown. He wasn't motivated. He was motivated because the crown represented a life in Jesus that he would experience fully and beautifully on that day. And so the hope that we have, friends, is that we will meet him on that day and that we will stand before him on that day and see him like he is, fully in his glory, and becoming like he is, fully in his glory. And that's one of the reasons why we can endure today so when you are going through difficult times, and you feel like giving up, you think about the Lord on that day, and you think about, I'm going to see Jesus on that day, and Lord, if I can endure, I'm going to reign with you in one day on that day. This is the hope of the gospel. And so that's number two, we endure to get a future reward. And lastly, the reason we endure, the reason why we endure is out of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And look what he says here in, in verse 12. So in verse 12a, he says, But if we endure, we will also reign with him. But then he says, But if we deny him, he will deny us. He will deny us. Now, this is a very shocking scripture, because it doesn't mean that Jesus will literally deny you. Well, I want to read two other scriptures to show that this isn't my interpretation. This is understanding that there is a real consequence of how we live our lives here on the earth. Let's look at the next scripture, Matthew 10, verse um, 33. Jesus says the same thing as what Paul has said. Jesus said that if anyone denies me before my Father in heaven, uh, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm just reading the paraphrase, um, the mic version. Um, But that he will deny us before the Father if we deny Jesus here on the earth. Um, And there's something of the fear of the Lord that if you are ashamed of Him here on the earth, Jesus will be ashamed of you before the Father in heaven. Let's look at another scripture, Mark 8. And this one, I'm actually going to read for us. Mark 8, verse 38. And it says, For whoever, Mark 8, verse 38. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed When He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. friend, this is very, very sobering. That there's something of a consequence and therefore we live in the fear of the Lord. Because we know that if our hearts are to honor Him, we will receive honor on that day. But if you are ashamed of Him, there's actually no confidence that you can have before God on that day. Now, this is very difficult for us to grasp because it carries on. And this is where the scripture becomes difficult. It says, but if we deny him, he will deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. You say, like, what? Like, is is Paul confused? Like, is he being, you know, I don't know. Has he been been on something? Like, what's going on here? Because it seems contradictory. But you're saying, But he's saying that God's going to deny you if you deny him. But now he's going to say that actually he's going to be faithful even if you're faithless. And I want to say this is the answer to this, is that God is not faithful firstly to you. God is faithful to his covenant that he's made with Jesus in you. So if you remain in Christ and your trust is in Jesus, he will be faithful to you. Because he's faithful to his son. And He's faithful to His own glory. He's not faithful to you whether you live like you want to or if we go and we backslide. Why should God remain faithful to us? God is faithful to us when we have faith in His Son. And so that's why He's faithful. God is faithful in His own character. And even if we are drift up and forth, God is never inconsistent. He's consistent with who He is. That means that He's consistent to save you and to forgive you and to cover you. But there's something of the fear of the Lord in this, friends, that I have to say it's very, very sobering. And that's the way that I see the scripture. And unfortunately, what has been often sometimes shared in in, you know, in the in in the YouTube, the Christianity, the YouTube of Christianity and the and the God TV stuff is what happens is we are taught that God is for you, no matter how you live. And if you simply say a prayer at the beginning of your Christian life, then you have fire insurance. You you're covered. And so you can go and live like you want to, and you can be faithless to Him, and somehow God will accept you on that day. I want to say, friends, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not about just how you start, but it's enduring to how you finish in in Christ. But ultimately, God is faithful to Jesus. And if you cling to Jesus, He will be faithful to you. Now, that doesn't mean that you've got to be perfect and every day you've got to get it right. Obviously, we mess up all the time and His grace covers over us and His grace lifts us up. God is holding us in Christ. He does. So when you can't hold on to God and you're saying, God, I can't hold on to you anymore. God will hold on to you. He will hold on to you. That's what He promises in John. He says that I have you in the palm of my hand. He has us. But although He has us, Sometimes if you, over a period of time, we allow our hearts to drift, you can eventually jump out of his hand. You can resist him to the point saying, I'm going to do what I want and I don't care what you say. Then that is a dangerous place to be in. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. God is faithful. So these are the three reasons why we endure. Number one, we endure for the sake of others. Number two, we, we endure for rewards that one day we're going to reign with him. And even though it seems difficult to believe right now, it's because like, we're praying for a job you know, which jobs have been on. We're praying for a house. We're praying for a car. We're praying for, you know, health. Like, those are things we need right now. I don't want a future reward. Like, I want it now. <laughs> right? We feel like that, don't we? And yet, but there's something that we, we live for eternity in mind. And thirdly, we we endure for the out of the fear of the Lord, knowing that we are called to be faithful in Him. And He's consistent in that. And I want to end with a story Um and this is a story I want to share with you. I want to share a story with you about three men that lived um, about 50 years ago. And these three men, they were serving the Lord passionately. They loved God. They were on fire for Him. They were burning for Him very, very brightly. And these three men were very well known in America. They were in their 20s. They were young men serving the Lord on fire for the Lord. And they were nationally known and recognized. One of the men's name was Billy Graham. The other man's name was a guy by the name of Chuck Templeton. And the third guy was, a name, was the guy Bron Clifford. And the year was 1945. Now, two of the three men were regarded as highly gifted in the Lord. They were seen as the, the shining lights that one day would change the face of America for the gospel. And do you know who two of those three men were? I'll give you a clue. One of them was not Billy Graham, the famous evangelist. He was regarded as like, um, you've got, you know, Chuck Templeton. Yeah. Braun Clifford. Yeah. Billy Graham. Okay. And because these two men, they were gifted. When they spoke, people came to Christ. They, they had charisma and influence. They were men who were, um, they really were the shining lights in their generation um, as evangelists. Um, But they were regarded as the gifted ones, not Billy Graham. But at the age of 25, it's interesting, it says this, Young Clifford, Clifford, um, Bron Clifford, touched more lives, influenced more leaders, and set more attendance records than any other minister his age in American history. So, as a young man, in 25, he was able to draw larger crowds than anyone had ever done in history in outdoor evangelism events, because they were evangelists. National leaders vied for his attention. Now, I want us to fast forward 10 years after that time. And this is what happened to Clifford, Bron Clifford. Bron Clifford, in 1954, by this time, left his wife, his two children, One of them who had Down syndrome and had actually found out to be addicted to alcohol that had been a vice that had destroyed his life. He wound up selling used cars in the Texas panhandle. After nine, only nine years after being the most sought after preacher in the United States, Clifford was found dead in a sleazy motel room outside Amarillo, Texas. He had died. And here was a man, nine years before that, the most gifted. Man in America. The other guy, Chuck Templeton, okay, tell me he finished well. No, he didn't finish well. He lost his faith in the Bible and he ended up rejecting the Christian faith altogether. And uh, the famous story with him is that him and Billy Graham were best friends, and there came a point when he was in his late 20s where he began to question the validity of the Bible and should the Bible be trusted. And he started listening to liberal voices, and he, he began to put a big fat question mark over the Bible in a critical way. We can question the Bible. Let me say we can do that. We should be asking questions, difficult questions, but we do so because we, we trust him. But he was putting question marks and, and denying the Bible, lowering the standard of the word. And eventually, he rejected it altogether, but Billy Graham came to that place. He said that in his late 20s, because of his friend's influence, he was beginning to say, but can I trust the Word of God? Is this thing that I can build my life upon? And he came to a place that um, he shares in in, in his biography that he got down on his knees one night and he said, God, I've got so many questions, things that I don't understand about your Word, but I choose to trust what it says in your Word. I'm going to choose to trust the God of the Word. And he got on his knees and he says that night, It was uh, outside in the moonlight was a turning point for him in his life. From that point on, apparently his ministry changed and things, you know, he began to have major profile. But Billy Graham was the only one of the three that made it till the end. And, you know, that's not uncommon today. We've got friends that are here among us that if you started with Jesus and if you've been a Christian for a long period of time, you would have had friends that would have fallen away from the faith. Isn't that tragic? But we are those who are called, or at best, as Will Murray says, maybe they're still in the faith, but they've given up the fight. You know, and some people have just given up the fight. Like they'll say, "Yes, I serve the Lord. I still love Jesus." They'll read their Bible, maybe have a quiet time, but they're not counting for God. Not like they did when they started. But we're not just those who hold to the faith. We are those who hold to the fight, the fight of the faith. We are those who lay hold of God and we run for Him and we endure. That's what endurance is. Endurance isn't just lying in a corner saying, I'm just going to stand here for the rest of my life. And, you know, I've been so hurt by the church. Or I've been hurt by Christians. Or I've been hurt by someone or I've been whatever. I've been hurt by the devil. It's too hard. And every time I stick my head out, I get smashed. And it's you don't understand how hard it is. And you're going to stand in the corner. That's not endurance. That's giving up. Okay. God is so much more for us. But our inheritance is tied up in enduring and standing firm to the end. And so I want to end with that today. And I felt like I want to remind us, this is a simple thing. If you remember one thing, remember this. Life is good, but life is hard. And it's meant to be hard in Christ. And through that, that's how character gets formed. It's glorious. It's wonderful. But through it, he's called us to to remain and to stand firm even when things are hard. That's why he's saying these things. But he promises that he will be with us. He says, I'll be with you. To the end of the age, I'm going to be with you. Not when you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. Not I'm going to take you around the fire. Hallelujah. round the fire. (laughs) No, no, no. You're going to go through the fire, but it's okay. I'll be with you. You, When you pass through the waters, as I says, not when I take you over the waters, I'll be with you. And so I want to end by saying that maybe you are here today and you're struggling through a couple of things and you feel like giving up because we all do. Maybe for you, it's an area of your studies. I know we've got students here towards the end of the year. Man, I know it's some of you are like you've been working hard on your studies, but it's like now the end of the year and it's tough. Don't give up. Maybe for some of you, it's your marriage, that you're in a marriage situation that is, it seems difficult and hopeless, and you feel like, I want to say, don't give up. The Lord can help you through. There are so many testimonies of healed marriages. Maybe for you, it's your finances, and you get, you're overwhelmed with debt. God can help you find the way through. Speak to one of us. We can, we, in, the, in the church, we have wonderful stories of people making it through debt and coming through on the other side and being found faithful with their finances. Maybe there's an area in your life that you just an addiction that you can't break. God can do it. God can. He can. And so I'd like to pray for us as we close. And, and let's close our eyes. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you, Lord, that you call us to endure in the faith, to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, to be those that endure suffering as a good soldier of Christ. And Lord, I want to pray for each of us today that you'd help us to to toughen up in the Lord, to find our strength in the Lord, that when we feel like giving up, to dig a bit deeper and to hold on to you a bit closer because you hold on to us. And Lord, the reason that we can work out our salvation, Philippians 3 says, is because you're working within us. And we want to thank you today for the power of the Holy Spirit, that the only reason we can be strong is because we're strong in the Lord. And we want to confess today, Lord, that we can't do this in our own strength. We are weak. We fail. But in you, Lord God, you give us the power and the strength in Christ and Lord, today we want to come before you to say, would you help us? Would you help us to finish strong? Would you help us to endure? Would you help us to, uh, to have a, a thick skin, but may, to have a soft heart? Not to harden our hearts, but to thicken our skins, Lord God, so that we could stand firm through the trials and the difficulties. I want to pray for every person here, that for those that are feeling like they want to give up or feeling tired, Lord, or feeling like... Just things are hard, and and they're just feeling weary by the storms of life. Maybe by the storms of a marriage, or the storms of finances, or the storms of a difficult job. Or the storms of studies. Lord, today, come. We invite you into those areas. We invite you into those areas. Storms of addiction. Maybe there's some sin that... Lord, that some can't overcome. They've tried and it's like, but I've just tried. I can't seem to overcome this area. Lord, would there be today a fear of the Lord that would come? That today, God, they would share these things in the light. Today, there would be breakthrough. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we, we welcome you here. We, we, we invite you, Spirit of God, come and fill us up this morning. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with, with faith enduring faith, faith that stands, faith that pleases God, faith that does not give up, faith that remains firm in our confidence in God. Lord, for those today who have lost confidence in God, would you come and restore their confidence as they look at you? Come, Jesus. We worship you today. worship you today.